Well, we, we're in a series called Follow, and, and Dick Foth did a masterful job kicking this off a few weeks ago, and then Jeff Lucas, and then last weekend, Orphan Care Weekend, you guys stepped up by helping. I mean, this church is amazing with what you're doing for orphan care. Over $32,000 came in in that offering just specifically to help orphans in Larimer and Wild County. It's fantastic. Wow. So thank God um, we're serving our community. And, and this, what we're doing is we're following First and Second Peter, the books in the Bible, and also kind of his life. Now, if you haven't been around church much, Peter is, is one of those disciples who's really fun to be around in Scripture, right? He makes it happen. He's just anywhere you read the name Peter, he's saying something, doing something. He's mad at somebody, disappointed in someone, proclaiming the good news, cutting off somebody's ear. I mean, he did. He cut off this guy's ear, you know, and he denies Christ. Then he runs out weeping, and then he says, forget it, I'm going fishing. And then he declares, Jesus, you are the Christ. It's just up and down. It's, it's the biggest yo-yo ride of probably any of the disciples, and I just love him for it. But he writes the same way. If you read First and Second Peter, hold on. Because if you try to read it like most books, it doesn't flow the same. He jumps around everywhere. And it's hard to even build an outline from him. He, he literally attempts to talk about holiness. This is just in First Peter. Um, calling, lifestyle, serving, suffering. He takes a stab at good theology, a sacrifice, discipline, behavior. He talks to husbands and wives and talks about marriage, all in just a few verses. I mean, he's all over the place. He's like a, a little boy telling about his day that says, I got up and had hot chocolate and raced my friend on the playground and got home and played basketball with dad and man, isn't life good? You know, just boom, 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 all over. But we're going to tackle it and we're going to try to do our best to stay with this guy and enjoy him. When you think of follow, I immediately go to the metaphor of, of like saying to my wife, Bonnie, now follow me, because it's kind of tricky. We were in Denver the other day, and I was like, follow me. And um, how many of you know how to follow someone well in an automobile? Let me see your hand. Because I really want to know if it's true, okay? What's the, what's the number one rule? Stay close. Stay close. That's right. Break the law. <laughs> I don't care how close, just stay close. Don't hit me, but stay close. So if the light turns yellow, run it. That's right. You stay close. You run it. Oh, sorry. To all the police officers in our building, go away just for a minute. Just go. If, if you're going to follow, you can't get lost. And that's what this series is about. It's, it's, if we don't stay close to Jesus, if we don't stay footstep, if we don't stay in tune, if we're not listening, if we're not paying attention, we're not going to have a chance to really see the goods in, in, in First and Second Peter. But if you listen and you have your heart in this today, I guarantee you, you will be challenged by a few things we talk about today. So I want to tackle serving and suffering. Number one in your outline, flip your program over. Have you identified your giftedness? Have you really identified the areas in your life where you are gifted. This really matters. It's very important that you have an idea of the things that you are good at. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 19 throughout this morning. And so follow along. If you have a Bible, just lay it open. We'll go verse by verse through this. 1 Peter 4, 
verse 10. God has given each of you a gift. Now, who is Peter writing to? Gentiles. They're living in what is now modern-day Turkey. But there's some hostility toward people who have claimed to be followers of Jesus. And so he's trying to encourage them. But he doesn't say just to the pastor or the leader. He says, God has given each of you, all of you, all believers, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So just turn your name and say, dude, you're gifted. Well, you don't have to say the dude part if you don't want to. You're gifted. You are truly gifted. You have something that God gave you. Now, I want to I break this down into like three kind of little really simple things that I'm just going to write up here for a second. The first, the first thing we need to understand about gifts is just the word personality. All of us were born with a certain personality, and they're all different. Everyone's different. A personality, I don't, I don't know, psychologists, you can read up on this, but a couple articles I read say a lot of this is formed by the DNA when you are born. Your personality is probably not going to change a lot. You can improve, you can learn different things, but your personality in and of itself, some people see the glass half full no matter how hard life is. They're just an optimist, they're positive. Other people, how many of you know someone, they were just born to be a grump. That's just all there is to it. They were just, that's how their personalities is. Some people love people, some people love tasks. Personality is a big part of our lives. Are they joyful? Are they friendly? Are they not? Part of those are just the personality traits. The next thing we need to understand is just the word talent. Now talent, especially talent you're born with, is, is out of your control. It comes from the genes. Not Levi or Wrangler, but you know, the genes, the, the DNA side of who you are. And, and you inherit that. And so suddenly, like, oh, here's a good example. Some of you can sing really well. And some of you cannot. <laughs> and it's always a joy in church when we worship and we try singing to be near someone who tries. I like it. I like it. That's why the Bible says just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So just grunt and moan a lot. You'll be good, okay? But, but you are born with a gift. Now, even great singers, people with great voices, they can work on their voice. They can make it better. They can work on their breathing. I get all that. But someone who is tone deaf is never going to have a great voice in singing. They're not born with it. It's not a talent that they have. So there are certain talents like this. Athleticism would be another one. We got to go to one of our grandson's soccer games last week in Arizona. And I'm telling you, there were a couple kids out there on the field that just were natural athletes. They, you can just see it. This, they get the ball and they go and they just, they know the moves. They, they have the, the right skill. And you just look at that and you go, wow, where did that kid, kid learn that? They, they probably had a good coach, but believe me, they're, they're an athlete. They have the coordination that not all kids have. You understand what I'm saying? The last one that we need to understand about gift is skill. Skill is the ability to learn behavior based on your personality and your talent. So skill is something you can go, I'm gonna be a faster runner. And with your natural ability, you can learn the skill of running by studying and, and working hard. So good athletes can get better. Bad athletes can become good athletes. All this stuff matters. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm saying this because in the gifts that you have, 
it matters that you're thinking about where is my personality, where does it fit with my talents as God made me, and, and how am I developing those talents? How am I utilizing them in the kingdom of God so that I can be spent for the glory of God? Am I really using these gifts? I want to say one thing to parents. If your parents raising kids, we have a lot of young families at Timberline, and I want to just tell you, please be speaking life into your kids. Recognize a gift they have. I love it when I see a mom or a dad kneel down by their son or daughter and say, man, you were a great listener today. You might have a gift in this area. Or I saw you have some leadership today with your friends. That was powerful. And, and I'm just so glad you have that. And, and suddenly that kid is going to have an investment of love and care and kindness and words. Because I'll tell you, we're in a culture that's pretty brutal to children. So love on them. Encourage them. Identify gifts. Same with grandparents and your grandkids. Find those gifts. Hone in on them. Talk about them. Encourage them. That's what we need to be doing. It, actually, the Bible talks about how we, we kind of move people forward. We, we chase them by saying, you can do this. You've got this. I believe in you. Number two, how are you utilizing these gifts that God has given you? When you combine all the things, if I said make a list of the stuff you're good at, Make a stuff, a list of things maybe you have weaknesses in. Whatever's on that list, where do you use them? And I love walking into Timberline, seeing people who are helping us with worship, uh, children, uh, usher, greeting, all, all the media stuff. So many volunteers around here are using their gifts. Some of you use it in your workplace and other places. This is what Peter says in the last part of verse 10. Use them well to serve who? One another, not just yourself. There are like 71 another's in Scripture, if you add them all up. It's crazy. And this is one of them. Serve one another. We're to serve one another with what we're good at. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself are speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God. Through Jesus Christ, now Peter goes off. Now he's preaching. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, he's just like in it. When we do summit class here at Timberline, before you can go to summit two, we ask you to take the shape profile. How many of you have taken it? Yeah, a lot of you. Hundreds of people have taken it. We pay for it because we believe it's an investment in your life. And if you haven't taken it, you can go online and take it. And it's just a bunch of questions that ask you what you like and don't like. And so you learn, am I a task-oriented person? Am I a people-oriented person? Do I want to work with kids or do, should I for sure not work with kids? <laughs> you know, it's like, you're bad at that, so let's avoid that. It helps us understand where my gift mix is. And these are very, very important. Because as you utilize your gifts, like when you get this figured out and you know what you're good at, you do it automatically and you won't even be thinking about it. When you first learn to walk, I bet if I had video of every one of you learning to walk, you fell down a few times. You ran into stuff. Someone had to help you up, but you don't remember it. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you don't remember the frustration? Now when you walk, you're not going, right leg, move forward. Left leg, move forward. You're not... When you breathe, you don't go inhale, exhale, inhale. No, you don't. Why? Because these are natural things that you do. That's how it is with gifts. You naturally help someone. You, you open a door for someone. You care. Why? Because you see things based on your giftedness. 
And you've developed these gifts. So you offer, you encourage, you strengthen. God wants you to be good at what you're good at. Let's say that one more time. God wants you to be good at what you're good at. So keep developing that gift and never give up. Now Peter just shifts. This is one of those booms. Now that you understand you're gifted, it's all good, you're going to suffer for doing good. You're going to suffer in this life that you live in, even when you use your gifts for God's glory. Number three, do trials cause you to doubt God? This, this is a big question, because if you can know this about yourself, it will cause you to go kind of inside and examine, okay? Do I, I've said this for years. Does trouble make me run to God or from God? I hope you're not afraid to run to God, but many people run from him when trouble hits. And they get angry and they're frustrated. I've seen through the years, typically the people that run from God are people who have never really appreciated the good times in their life as coming from God. It's almost like, well, the good is what I expect. And when the bad happens, it's God's fault. <laughs> Isn't it easy to blame God? It really is easy to blame God, but that's a mistake and we shouldn't do that. Some people think when they come to faith, they sort of have this automatic get-out-of-jail-free card from God that means I'll never suffer, I'll never have a financial burden, I'll never get sick, I'll never have a disease, I'll probably never even die. Well, we're all going to die. And we're going to die of something. And so we have to pay attention to what this means in, in real life. We're going to continue to face every obstacle that comes with life. You have to be determined when you get up in the morning to say, there's going to be trouble today. The Bible says in this life you have trouble. But God has promised, Jesus said it before he left the earth, I will be with you always, even to the very end. Now, what's happening in the writing that we see in First and Second Peter is he's writing to people who are truly facing persecution because they are claiming the name of Jesus. This is a very, very real issue, and it's a very, very big challenge in our world today. We, because we live in America, we honestly can't fully appreciate what it might be like to not be able to exercise our faith in the way that we have today. No one is hassling us. You're not in threat of going to jail or being beaten. I read an article already this morning of a lady in 2005. They found a, a Bible in her house in North Korea. And they, they took her outside chained her to a post and shot her in the head because she had a Bible in her house. We're not used to that. We're not used to that environment. And so I just want to say one thing about this, especially on the heels of Veterans Day. You should get up every day of your life and thank God that you live in America. You should. It's big. I'm not saying it's the best place to live in the world, and I'm not saying God's blessing is more on America than anywhere else. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's live appreciative of what we have, and let's be compelled to pray for people who are suffering, which we will talk about even a little bit more here in a minute. Number four, Peter, there, here's this idea. We can identify with Christ through suffering. Peter makes this statement that, you know, when it's all going good, that's fine, 
But our identity with Jesus is probably better felt in suffering. Why? Because we're more sobered. We're, we're sometimes it's daunting. We, we have to have faith. We have to exercise our spiritual uh, muscular system to get up the hill. It's not easy. And, and all these things happen when you're in a, a fiery trial. So he says, instead, when you have trials and suffering, be very glad. Verse 13. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Peter is trying to encourage those who live in a culture that is persecuting Christians. Some of them died. Some of them were beaten. Even Peter, history tells us, was hung upside down and, and beaten and tortured. And, and so, so there's a very real possibility. I don't know. I don't know what the trend, where it's going to go. And I'm not, a, I'm not a, a doom kind of a prophet guy. But people are becoming more and more hostile against people who follow Jesus. All over the world, including America. And we better take note of this and we better be appreciative of what we have and not take it for granted. There are countries, you can look at the hot list of countries where Christians are most persecuted. Let me just give you an example. These are, these are nine or ten. Like North Korea, it's usually rated as the number one hostility toward Christians. Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, many of these you would expect. Sudan, Syria, um, Iraq and Iran, Yemen. These are, these are places where to be a Christian, you're going to have to realize you might be laying down your life. And that's not a feeling that we understand very well in America. But if that day ever comes, which I pray it doesn't, what Peter is saying is you hold the line. You don't compromise the truth. You go ahead and trust God and he will be with you even if you die for the sake of the gospel. It is estimated right now in our world, just a quick stat here, that about 250 million believers in the world, to 300, 250 to 300 million, are, are suffering in these types of countries who are being persecuted, who have to be really careful, and many are in prison for no reason. How many people are in America the total population is what, 325,000, a million? 325 million? So it's almost like everyone in America around the world that are suffering. So wouldn't you say, as our brothers and sisters, and in 2018 we have a big objective to do this more, we're going to pray for the persecuted church around the world because they're our family and they need our prayers and they need our support. Number five. Now, this is where Peter kind of... <laughs> He, he makes a, some funny statements. And I, I know that I see humor in Scripture when no one else does, but just allow me this moment, okay? So what is the difference, number five, between suffering for your faith in, in Jesus versus suffering for just poor decision-making? So, you know, people who say, I'm just suffering for Jesus. No, they may not be at all. They may have just made a stupid decision. And they're suffering because of that, right? So, so here's what Peter says about that. He addresses it. If you suffer, however, 
It better not be, it must not be for murder or stealing or making trouble. And this is my favorite. Or prying into other people's affairs. (laughs) It's like, mind your own business. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. Peter is making this point. He's saying, hey, don't say you're suffering for Christ when you've just made a bad decision. I, in, in all these years of pastoring, I would never say names because I've actually forgotten many of these names. But I have seen some crazy stuff through the years. I've had people, just, just a couple, side note here. I've had people say, I had this one person one time say, the devil is just chasing me and trying to get me down. I said, what happened? They said, oh, I ran out of gas on the way here. <laughs> and I said, like, is your gas gauge broken? No, but I was just trusting God. I didn't want to fill up yet. <laughs> the devil's just trying to get me. No, the devil's not trying to get you. Put some gas in the car. And you'll have a chance that it will work. And it'll get you where you're supposed to. I had another one who said, he, he was so sweet. And, and he got fired from his job. And he said, everyone was out to get me because I was a Christian. And he even brought his exit interview. And said, just walk through this with me. Which was so vulnerable. I just, I so appreciate it. But he, it said on here, three out of five days for the last three months, you've been late for work. Three out of five days the last three months. And I said, is this a problem, like punctuality? Oh, they're just after me. They just wanted me out. My supervisor wanted to fire me. And I said, I'm so sorry. But I got to tell you. God really loves you. <laughs> You're going to be late to go to heaven probably. I mean, Come on, be, be on time. If you're an employer, you know what I'm talking about. So, so we can't do stupid stuff and, and then say, I had a guy say, well, I've been getting in trouble lately. I said, what's the deal? He said, I never get in trouble unless I go with these two guys on the weekend. We always end up in trouble. I've ended up in jail twice because of these guys. And I said, I said, well, why are you hanging out with these guys? Well, we're friends and we just hang out on weekends. I said, you know, why don't you try this weekend not hanging out with them? And he's like, oh, yeah, but they're friends, and we like to be together. And I'm like, then go to jail again. Okay. What am I supposed to do? Hello? The devil's not trying to get you. Make good decisions. My favorite one is, you know, when you're prying into other people's affairs. Why is it that you feel compelled to jump on Facebook and confront someone for saying something you didn't like? And it just, boom, boom, boom. It just pops in and back and forth. And all of a sudden, you're angry and your blood pressure's up. And it's over something stupid. Why? What about us saying, can we have a temperament that honors people and loves God? And doesn't get caught up. i got to hurry out. Number six. We serve a God who is sometimes beyond our ability to understand. Now this is the sobering reality that we live with. This is real. There are things that are going to happen in your spiritual journey that you don't get. I, I, uh, this, this says it all in verse 18. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, 
what will happen to godless sinners. He's, he's probably referring to the proverb in, in Proverbs 11.31. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. That's a pretty strong takeaway. I, uh, I have things in my life I still don't understand. You know, I don't talk about it all that much, but occasionally it's just a good reminder that I have four sisters. I have two older and two younger. I always like to tell them it's like an Oreo. All the sweet stuff is right in the middle. <laughs> they, they don't really like it when I tell them that. But, but, you know, when we were young, our dad, when he was 38, he got cancer. And uh, he died of cancer at 41. And, I mean, I just turned 41, and that's pretty young. I, I passed that a little bit, but, but I did. I remember the day I turned 41, and I, I thought, wow, this is young. And left all of us kids, and, and God was with us, and God sort of became our, our father. But it was hard. You know, I still, all, all these years later, I don't have an answer for that. God could have healed him. Something could have been different. I don't know why, and I'll probably never know why. Maybe when I get to heaven, but I don't even know if I care now. Do you know what I mean? But there are going to be things that happen, here's my point, that you don't understand. And, and you have to say, I'm going to trust God. Even if, even if my suffering is as a believer, even if this loss is real, I'm going to trust God because he has promised never to leave me or forsake me. I, uh, I have to share this bad, bad news. It's a terrible story. But it just two days ago, I got a call from our son Ryan. Him and his wife and two kids live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he said, Dad, just, I don't have very long, but just pray for us right now. And I said, what is going on? He said, just down the, he said, there's police tape all over our driveway, down our whole block. There's been a shooting. This is in North Scottsdale where this stuff just doesn't happen. It's a beautiful neighborhood. And he said, it's rumored that, that someone has shot, they might have even shot their family. And the story unfolded that a 39-year-old husband just got stressed out in life and finances and took a gun and killed his, his nine-month-old son, shot his, his three-year-old daughter, shot his wife, and shot himself. This is six houses down from where our kids live. And I just was devastated. And they're devastated. And they're trying to figure out why someone would, why would someone go into that level of despair and kill others and themselves. Here's, what, here's, here's the deal. I don't understand that level of despair. And I never want to be there. I wish so bad I could have sat down with him on Thursday and offered something of hope. He didn't tell anybody his story. He didn't tell them he was worried about. He just carried this all on, on himself. And that's what happened. Listen, when you try to carry the burden of life by yourself, Satan wants you three things. He wants to kill you, he wants to steal from you, and he wants to destroy you. That's what the Bible says. And he hates you. But God is greater than the enemy in this world. And you need to know that and you need to believe that. And when you start to lose hope, I pray to God, you will get on your knees and say, God, I am desperate. And you will come running to someone who can help you because there's a way out. I don't care how far down you are, there's a way out. You hear me? There's a way out. I close with the song.
Lauren Daigle, some of you know her. She's a really pretty famous Christian artist, a lot of great songs, but this one's called Trust in You. And I want to read the first verse lyrics and the chorus. I want you to really listen to this. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. In other words, when my dreams don't happen, I have to lay them down at your feet. Every moment of my wandering never changes what you see. I try to win this war. I confess my hands are weary. I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight, no matter what I face, you're by my side. And then it goes into the course that says this. When you don't move the mountains that I'm needing you to move, when you don't part the waters that I wish I could walk through, when you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. That's the determination that says no matter what comes my way in life, there is a God who is trustworthy. That's the difference. This isn't blind trust. This is a God who has proven trustworthy in our lives. And if there's one thing that I want to leave you with today, it's this word. Because this is a reality. Hope. Hope can change your future if you will trust God and give him a chance, regardless of what you face. Don't lose hope. And let's be people of hope wherever we go, because believe me, this world needs us. Amen? Would you pray with me? Lord, this is heavy. This is tough. I don't like it that Christians are getting beat up and hung and shot because they bear your name. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's sad. But they know the power. These countries know the power of Scripture. They know the freedom that comes from oppression and hate. You are the liberator. And they don't want that. So we just pray today for the persecuted church. We pray for these countries that we listed earlier, God. Would you be with our brothers and sisters closely even today? Even now in this moment, let them feel the strength that comes from your spirit. From a little country called America. And the brothers and sisters who are praying for them. Let them feel that bond. Lord, for people in this room, how many of you would say, man, I'm going through some stuff and I need to get it right. I need God to lead me. Please include me in this prayer. Just slip up a hand right now. I just want to pray over you. No shame here. God, you see right here in our living room, hands, you see brothers and sisters and family that are going through some stuff. And it's not easy. And I just pray over them. We as a church pray together for their needs. We pray for wisdom. We pray for insight. We pray that you will somehow be able to do the supernatural in their life. God, spend them in ways that they could never foresee. Use this circumstance. Surprise them. Show up in a big way and give them the words to say, the actions that they need to take every step along the way. We trust you with this. We need you. And if you're here today without a personal relationship with Jesus, man, I just want to say he loves you. He's chasing you down. And uh, please say yes to him today. Just take a moment right now and say, Lord, I say yes. Cleanse my heart, my mind, my life. Help me to 
get this thing turned around and get on track to do your purpose on this earth. That's what he wants because he can do it. He's the only one that can do it. We give this all to you, Lord. We trust you fully in your name.